Today's daf is Pechet in Masechet Psachim. We are on Pezayin Amud Bet. We are eight lines from the bottom of the Amud. We're in the middle of some Agadot here, still uh, continuing with that a little bit. But says Tani Rabbi Chiyar. Rabbi Chiyar said, "My dichtiv Elohim hevin darka." That God understood its way, and He knew its place. They interpret this drasha, even though this is in Eov, but they interpret it as a reference to the to Hashem knowing what the Jewish people uh, could handle. That it should see Romi actually, but it's censored because they don't want to get in trouble. Uh, because the church would think that Romy is talking about the Catholic Church or something like that. But anyway, the, um, that Hashem knew that the Jewish people couldn't handle the, the cruel decrees of Rome. Therefore, he sent them to Bavil. Even though in the end, a lot of them did sub- suffer under the decrees of uh, Rome, but me- most of them were in Bavil. The reason why Hashem sent the Jewish people to Bavil is because it's very low-lying. The land is very low. So it's like Sheol, it's like going down into underground, going to the, uh, you know, it's like death, basically. Because it says, I will save them, and I'm going to save them from Sheol, and I'm going to redeem them from death. In other words, so that the Geulah, the eventual redemption, will be like a resurrection of the Jewish people. They, they went to such a low place, literally they went to a low place. No, the reason why Hashem sent them to Bavel was because the language is similar to the language of Torah. And Rashi says that they wouldn't forget the Divrei Torah because Aramaic and Hebrew are cousin languages. So they would be able to keep their connection to Torah. I like this one, actually. It's a good one. Hashem sent them back home to their mother. What do you do when you're... Uh, what, what happens when there's marital strife between husband and wife? He, he sends the girl back to live with their mother. He says, go back live with your mother. Right? So, where do you send the... Where, where does the man who's angry at his wife send his wife? Back to her mother's house. Because uh, where was Avram Avinu from? He was from Bavel, basically. Right? So, so it's like you're sending us back home. Right? So, Alexander, like Rabbi Alexander said, there were three that returned to their original source. Elohim, Yisrael, the Jewish people, the money of Mitzrayim, and the writing on the Luchot. Yisrael, the Jewish people are what we're saying, that they went back to Bavel. That's essentially where Avram came from. Ur Kasdim and that whole that whole uh, region was was under the control of the Babylonians. Hammurabi and everybody was uh, that was the that was where the uh, where the Babylonians were. Right, Kesef Mitzrayim Dichtiv Vahi Bishna Bishana Chamishit Lebech Chavam Alas Shishak Melech Mitzrayim Al Yerushalayim that uh, the 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 Egyptian Pharaoh laid siege to Jerusalem and took a lot of money from them. So uh, that money was like uh, the money that the Jewish people had originally taken from Egypt. So the Egyptian Pharaoh came took it back. Tava Luchot. The writing of the Luchot, that Moshe Rabbeinu broke the Luchot, but that's coming up in a couple of weeks, parasha, right? That even though he broke the physical Luchot, the letters, the words, went back to Shemaim, so to speak. So the idea is that all of these went back to their original place. You know why Hashem sent them to Bavel? It wasn't because of the language, and it wasn't because to save them from bad Gzerot, and it wasn't because that was where they're originally from, it was just because the food is good. So they could eat good Chorma, Right, they had the best uh, dates, and via Torah, because of the good food, they could uh, they could learn a lot of Torah there. 
Okay, so Ula Iklada Pumbedita. One time Ula came to Pumbedita, which is in Bavel. Grave Ula Tirina. The the tamare they brought him a basket of uh, dates, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a famous. We've seen the story before. Yeah, uh, where was it originally? Oh, it's in Masechet Tanit. I know that I've seen it before. I thought we had learned it together, but I guess not. Amalu, we said to them, "Kama kihane They said, "How much? You know, how much can you get these for?" Uh, and they said, "It's only a zuz. right? So they. Um, I'm sorry. So I asked him, "Kama kihane How many zuz does it take?" So Amalu, they said to him, "Talad You can get three. Uh, like baskets like this for a zoo. It's very cheap. Amar, malat, sanade, dufshab, You can get a basket of honey for a zoo. And the Babylonians don't learn to I mean, you can get such good food here. It's so cheap. How can they, how can they, what excuse do they have that they, uh, that they don't learn to, more Torah? They, they have such good food. The only thing was that night, Belelia, Saru, he had a stomachache all night from eating all those dates. You know, so it wasn't so good. Amar, malat, Sama de Mavta. I said, uh, you know, you have a basket of uh, of the uh, the poison, right? Bizuza for Azuz, Bebavel, Obavlai, Askebe, all right. I'm surprised that the Jewish pe- that the people in Bavel are able to learn Torah when they have such indigestion from eating all these dates. So, first he was so happy, it tasted so good. He was eating all the Chorma all night and uh, all day, and he said, wow, this is so cheap, and you could just live like this is delicious. And every Persian knows that you, all you need to eat is Chorma, there's no other food necessary for a healthy diet. If you eat one a couple of those a day, basically you can fast the rest of your life. And um, according to uh, all the Persians that they, what they, all my aunts and uncles, that's what they told me, uh, uh, grandfather, right before a fast, after a fast, it's all you need for a balanced diet is a chorman tadig. So. Um, they yeah, they balance each other out. So, they, so therefore, they, so he was eating a lot of this, uh, eat a lot of these uh, dates, and and and. But that night, it comes back to haunt you. So they said, you know what? I'm surprised they're able to learn with such bad stomachache. Anyway, This is the beginning of uh, Yishayahu, actually. So, uh, and many nations will come and say, "Let us go to the mountain of God, El Beit Elohei Yaakov." And to the mountain of the God of Yaakov. So why does it say Eloi Yaakov? Why does it mention that they're going to the house of the God of Jacob and not to the house of the God of Avraham and Yitzchak? Because Avraham Avinu worshipped Hashem by mountain. Like it says that it says in the end of the Akedah that the, the mountain is the mountain where Hashem's presence was revealed. And Yitzchak prayed to God in a field. Says that he went to to meditate or to speak uh, to Hashem in the field. It was Yaakov was the first one that called the place a house. It was the first person to make a house of God to say, "I'm going to make this a uh, a house of God." And so, therefore, the Beit Hamikdash is called the house of the God of Jacob. The day that Hashem ingathers the. Um, the exiles will be like the day that the heaven and earth were created. It says because the, the sons of Yaakov, meaning the descendants of Yehuda and the sons of Yisrael, together will come and they'll have one leader and they'll come up from the land because Gadol Yom Yisrael, great is the day of Yisrael. This is the day that everyone is going to gather back together. And they connected to the word Yom, Yom Yisrael and Yom Echad. This day that the Jewish people are gathered together will be like the day 
that uh, that uh, uh, that that the world was created. Oh, you missed a very good part about. You have to listen to the beginning. You know about chorma, importance of chorma. You're going to learn about that when you listen to the recording. Now, So the the there's the the guardians. There's uh, an orphan has two guardians, and they each. Um, and each one of them uh, slaughters a korban Pesach, having this child in mind. So the question is, which one does he go for? It said he could go for either one. So once again, we seem to be faced with the conclusion that we can retroactively make a decision because we're saying that the per- they, that it, we did, at the time that the the two guardians offered the korban, they didn't know which one the kid was going to be on, and now the kid says, "I want to go to this one. I want to go to that one." So retroactively, we're giving it to him. So that sounds like brera. Uh, so it says, "Amar no, selabait. The pasuk says that a person should bring the korban selabait. Now, which means to say, Rashi says, "Ish balabait ikachenu lechol bnei beto ve'inzarich datan." It's not that the uh, that the child. It, we say that the child intended to be on one or the other korban. We're saying that the child doesn't need to have. We don't need it. This child is a minor. Right, so therefore we don't need his opinion. We don't need his dot for the korban at all because it says selabait, meaning the father, the balabait, makes the korban pesach, and he has in mind whoever he wants. Now, in this case, the the child could hypothetically be part of either quote unquote bait, either the bait the bait of either one of these guardians, and so therefore they both could include him, and it doesn't affect him. And so Rashi says, well, that's why he says that selabait means that that the child doesn't have a have to give input. So it's not brirat. It's not that retroactively we say that the child really wants. Wanted one or the other, we're just saying it didn't need to. So Tanu Abanan, the rabbi taught, Selabait, What does Selabait mean? When it says that the Korban Pesach is one uh, animal per house, it means that the a person brings a Korban Pesach al including his minor children, and also including the male and female servants who are who are Kananim. We know that if you're a Kanani becomes an Eved or Shifcha, they convert to Judaism and they're obligated in all the mitzvot that a woman is obligated in, including Korban Pesach, so therefore he includes them. Ben midatan, ben shalom midatan. He doesn't have to ask their permission, he includes them. But if he has adult children who are coming to the Seder, he cannot make the Korban Pesach for them, assuming that they want to be on his Korban Pesach. He has to ask their permission. Or if he has uh, an Eved Ivri. Eved Ivri is somebody who is, uh, has his own independent obligation in mitzvot. He just happens to be an Eved to you right now, but you can't go make a Korban Pesach for him without his permission. And also with that, for his wife, he needs the permission of all of those parties in order to make the Korban Pesach for them. We said in another right, it basically says, seems like it's saying the same thing, but the Gemara is going to have a problem with it. This one starts with the opposite, right? It starts with the, uh, it says he can't include when he does the Korban Pesach his adult children or his Avadim that are really Jewish, originally Jewish. He also can't include his wife without her permission. But he can include his young children. They're all dependents on him. So for their, uh, for their, you know, so therefore they, they he, he can bring the Korban Pesach for them without asking their permission. The non-Jewish slaves that converted or his, uh, his children who are below the age of Baran Bat Mitzvah. And if any of them went... And they did a korban pesach without, in other words, independently went and did it themselves. So yotzim b'shel rabban ve'en yotzim b'shel atzman. They they uh, and the chutz men aisha sheyuchalal imchot. So it says that anyone who went and slaughtered the korban pesach and the master also did, meaning the balabait also did. 
with them in mind, okay, they can they have to go with the Balabait's korban and not with their own korban, except for his wife. His wife can protest and say, no, I made my own korban and I don't care about what you say and I'm going to eat my own korban. Now the question is, so the simple reading of this b'rita is it's going on everything that preceded, meaning that, oh, if he goes and he has 18-year-old uh, children who are coming to the seder, he can also make the korban Pesach for them and even if they went and made their own so uh, it doesn't matter. He's still, you know, he's, uh, his overrides theirs. But it's strange because, in the, but it, because it said without their permission, he's not allowed to make the Korban Pesach, right? So the, uh, and the only exception is his wife. His wife, even if he goes and brings Korban Pesach, having her in mind, and she brings her own, she does not go along with his. She keeps her own. Okay, so the question is, why is it only the woman? Right, right, right. So Amar Avai, Isha, the Chol Right, yeah, 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 first it asked the question. Then it gave the answer, right? So, you're right, everyone in that category. In other words, everyone in the category of a person who uh, he needs their permission, if he went ahead and did it on his own, okay? And uh, seemingly, they could go along with it, right? If he went ahead and did it on his own, they seemingly could go along with it. But if they go and make their own Korban Pesach, they eat of their own Korban Pesach and not of his. That's what it's saying, right? Because it's saying that anyone in the category of the wife, meaning anybody in the category of the one that really should have, he should have gotten their permission first, but he did not. If they go and make their own Korban Pesach, they eat of their own Korban Pesach. The implication seems to be, as the Gemara is going to say, it says, So the reason why you're saying that his wife wouldn't be included in his Korban if she went ahead and made her own Korban is because she could protest and say, I don't want to, meaning you're supposed to get a permission to begin with, and you didn't, and she made her own, right? So the implication is that if she didn't say anything, and he went and did it without her permission, so she would be included, right? That's the implication, right? But in the beginning, it said that you can only bring the Korban Pesach with the permission of the wife. So it says, Hastama. Low, which implies that without the explicit permission, it's no good. So what does the Gemara say? Right? So, so it says, meaning that if you didn't ask the permission and get it directly. So the question is, if she doesn't say anything, what is the story? Right? Are you saying that she only excludes herself from his korban if she says, I don't want it? Or are you saying you need positive permission? She has to give positive permission. Which one is it? So it says, my elamidatan love de amrei in. What it means when it says you need the permission. Your adult children are coming to the house for Pesach, to your Korban Pesach. You don't have to call up each one and ask for permission. You go ahead and you do it. If they say, no, we don't want to, we want to bring our own Korban Pesach, fine. But if they didn't say anything and you didn't say anything, you could do it for them. That's what it means. When it says Midatan, it means that they didn't register a protest against it. They didn't say they didn't want it. But if they said nothing, it's fine. Right? The Gemara doesn't differentiate whether the <coughs> children lived in the house or not. It doesn't matter. No, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. Yeah. So, so that, but so that's the uh, so the conclusion is la amur lo, which means to say that if they said no, then they would be excluded. But if they don't say anything, then you could include them. Okay, so now What about the fact that it says that if the husband went ahead and did it, right? And, uh, and, and then the wife also went and made her own korban or anybody in that category where they have their own independent rights, like the adult children went and made their own korban. We're saying that if they did that, they have to now use their own korban and not the korban of the father or not the korban of the husband. But why? They didn't protest and say, I don't want your korban. 
So the answer, of course, is In other words, there's two ways you can protest to being included in the korban of somebody else. One is to come and say, I don't want to be included in your korban, verbally. The other one is, if you go and make your own korban, obviously you didn't want to be in the korban of the father Maybe or in the korban of Balabai. Maybe you didn't know. I, I'm sure you would know. I mean, the assumption is that, that, you know, or at the very least, by getting your own, you intended to have your own, right? So in other words, by intending to have your own, you're saying you don't intend to be on theirs. If stamma means that, uh, meaning stam, not expressing anything, is the, means the default is you're with the father or with the husband, right? So then to disturb that, either you have to say, I don't want to, or you do something that shows you want to be independent, right? In other words, you can't say, I assume, you can't have that assumption anymore as the default if the person went and did something contrary to it. So basically the summary is that the avadim and the ktanim, the ones who are under barbat mitzvah or the avadim who are the non-Jewish avadim, those uh, don't have an independent uh, ability to make a koban bezach, so whatever the husband slash father does, it, you know, counts for them. However, the ones that have independence, if they say, if if they don't say anything and they don't do anything, so he can also include them in his uh, koban pesach, and everything will be fine. But if they do something or say something that indicates that they don't want to be included, either they say I don't want to be included, or they go and do their own koban pesach, then they are excluding themselves from the koban pesach of the father. Um, even though by default it sounds like if they said or did nothing, so then uh, he would be able to cover for them too. Rabbi, can you come and say I'm going to do the shechita if I'm not counted elsewhere on a tonight? In other words, shechita. You could do it tonight. We're going to see that in the next shot. You could do it tonight. Yeah, you could do that. Eved, so it says Eved shalshnei What about the slave that belongs to two owners? So Ramele Rav Enasa, by the elder of Ena. You have, a, you have a contradiction because in our Mishnah it said if you have an, a slave that belongs to two masters, he can't eat from either one. But we have a brighter that says he could eat from he could eat from either one, even better. So, right, so either it's you know, which one is it? Amale Enasaba. He said to him, Elder you know, Ena the elder, Va'amrela, some say that he called him Patya Uchma. Burnt pot, black pot, meaning very experienced person. You're very experienced because you use the pot a lot, right? Between the two of us, we can resolve this. It depends on what the relationship is between the two owners. In other words, the, if the owner says, I don't want to benefit from anything from that other owner, so if my Eved partakes of the korban of that owner, I'm going to be benefiting from it. I'm, I don't want that. On the other hand, that, you know, if, if that's the attitude of the owner, so they're going to block him basically from benefiting from the korban of either owner because neither one wants to be the one who is benefiting from his partner. Okay. On the other hand, if they're not makpi, they don't care. They don't care about benefiting from one another. They're not so strict that they uh, divide their assets so strictly. So therefore, then it will be possible that the uh, evid could eat from either one and it wouldn't matter. Okay? Now, the Gemara goes on. The one who's half a slave and half free, he can't do anything. Because, you know, because he, uh, he's going to have the same problem as the one owned by two owners. Because since he is half his own and half belong to his, his, his uh, master, so the, ma- the master uh, doesn't want to uh, feed the, uh, you know, or he doesn't want to benefit from the master's, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, korban, or however way it goes, whichever way it goes, or the master doesn't want to benefit from his, but either way, there's a, there's a hakpada that they don't want to benefit from each other, so you're going to have the same problem again, that he's, he's under two masters. It just happens to be that one of the masters is himself in this case, but it's the same concept. All right, so it says, so, so it says, Michel Rabbo, Michel 
right? So it says he can't eat from his, his master, but the implication is that he can't eat from his own, but that he can eat from his own. But in the bright says, So, it, you know, it, one bright then, our, our Mishnah has that he can actually eat of his own. He just can't eat of his master. Uh, according to, uh, but according to the bright, they can't do either one. So it says, La kashia, no problem. Kan ke rishona, kan ke It depends. The first Mishnah, the latter Mishnah. This, this is a very famous thing that, that, uh, of the Machlok of the status of a half Eved changed. So if the status of a half Eved were really a status that we, that we allowed to continue, so then you would have the same problem as a slave owned by two owners, which is that since I own myself and the master owns me, owns part of me, and we don't benefit from each other, we have a real rule that we don't benefit from each other for whatever reason. Maybe it was for business reasons, maybe it was for personal reasons, we don't know. We don't benefit from each other. So therefore, I can't eat from his korban because I'll be benefiting, and I can't eat from my own korban because he'll be benefiting. Right, so it will be the same situation. But if the the uh, we're going to see that according to Mishnah Chorona, where they they eliminated the idea of a uh, of a chazi eved chazi ben chorin, they eliminated the idea that a person could be half an eved. So then it wouldn't be an issue anymore, and he'll be able to eat of his own. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that developed. It's not. We learned in a Mishnah Misha chetzio eved chetzio ben chorin. We learned this before, actually. Um, together, we've learned this before. In uh, it was it was the most recent place. So I guess we probably saw it in Arachin because it says it's in Arachin. That's probably where we saw it. Okay, somebody was half an Eved and half a Ben Chorin. Beitilel says, no problem. You have you were owned by two owners. How does this situation happen? You're owned by two owners. One owner frees you. The other one doesn't free you. Okay, so what happens? You're half you uh, you partially free and partially enslaved. You have half of your independence and half not. So what uh, Betilel says, no problem. Serve your master one day, and so now Sunday you serve your master. Monday you're on your own. Tuesday you serve your master. Wednesday you're on your own. Obviously Shabbat you're free anyway. <coughs> right, so that would be that would work out perfectly. But Beit Shabbai says Beit Shabbai, you fixed something at Rabo. You fixed the master really nicely. You really addressed the master's concern there because you gave him his day, his, his, his 50%. But, but the guy himself, but he didn't fix the guy. The guy's in trouble. Because he can't marry a shivcha. He can't marry a maidservant because he's half free. On the other hand, right, he's not allowed also. Right? So he can't marry a free woman because he's partially in Evet. So Yivatel, what's he going to do? He's going to do nothing. The whole world was created to perpetuate the species. And he goes, Shere ma lo tobra. Shere tzara. What? With them. Find a you wouldn't be able to, even if she's half and half, because the halves are marrying each other. You can't do it. Yeah, same problem. Same problem. Because each can't marry the other half. They'll have the same problem. You don't marry half a person. You, you, you need more experience in this, uh, doctor. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, but Bezat Hashem, you'll have this this year, and then you'll tell us if you're married to half a quarter. You're looking for your other half. <laughs> yeah, your other half, but not half of the not half of the half. <laughs> so anyway, so that so it says the world is created not to be empty; it's created to be uh, settled. You have to you have to have people. We force the master to let him go. So he doesn't have this limbo situation, but <laughs> but to be fair to the owner, I mean, you know, right? We give him a we we require the evid to pro- promise uh, half of his value back, so he has to pay it off. I guess he has to they convert it basically into a debt. 
um, on the Eved that he has to pay off. Maybe he pays in installments or whatever over the time. So whatever reputation Beit Shammai has for being tough and, you know, uh, uncompromising here, you see that they're very concerned about the plight of the individual person. And they said that you can't do that. So this was, and this was, a, you know, this was a big issue, you know, in the South with the emancipation of slaves in this country. You know, what about all, uh, this? It belongs to them. You know, it's their property. They paid for them. You know, take it. So it's like, even though it's immoral, like you, uh, and, and especially the way that many of those slaves became slaves was totally, you know, totally immoral. Aside, you know, it wasn't like they volunteered to become indentured servants or something like that, like Evedivri, you know, steals. It wasn't like that. There were a lot of them were kidnapped and sold. It was not, it was totally <laughs> bad. But the concern of the master is an, is a financial concern. He's losing his, uh, losing what he paid for. So the, in the case of the, um, in the case here, we, we forced the, uh, we forced the guy to pay, uh, to take upon himself the debt that he owes, so that way he can go get married, and then, uh, and just like every married man, will be under a lot of debt. Okay, so now the Mishnah, so he'll he'll get used to it. He'll get used to being in debt uh, before he even gets married. Now the Mishnah says, He says to his his uh, slave. Go or servant, it could be, it doesn't have to be a slave necessarily here, but um, the point is that he said to his, uh, the person working for him, go and slaughter the Korban Pesach for me. Shachat gidi If he went and he took, remember, you can pr- bring either a uh, goat or a sheep. So he, if he took a goat, it's good. Shachat if he took a sheep, so yuchat, it's also good. Shachat gidi what if he did both? He's like, I don't know which one my master wanted, and uh, I see that you can either take Gidi or Taleh. could take either a kid, you know, a young goat, or could take a sheep. What do I do? He did both. So Yochad Men Arishon, should take the first one, is good. Shachach Ma Amarlo Abon. If he can't remember what his master actually said, right, he knows he said a specific. In other words, in the case where he didn't say anything, and so the, <laughs> the Eved doesn't want the master to be displeased, so he did both. Right, that's th- so we take the first one. But if if he actually said something specific and he can't remember, so so he does this. He should do both. And this is like what you were saying, doctor, before about it tonight. Right? If my master actually said to do a a, a uh, a goat. So then, so then I'm making a tanai that the, the, the condition is that the, the uh, goat will be his and the sheep will be mine. And if my master said a sheep, so then a taleshelo, so you could do that, you could do a uh, tanai. You say, if whatever my master said, the other one will be mine and, and will be good. Now the problem is, what if the master forgot what he said? So then, Evid comes home and says, I was so smart, it's a good thing I was paying attention in class and I knew you could do a tanai and I did this tanai. And it's, you could be so impressed that what I did was I said, if you said sheep, then my mine will be the goat, and if you said goat, mine will be the sheep. Isn't that so smart? So which one did you say? He says, I can't remember. <laughs> you know, so now it's not going to help. So what? Amarlo So Amarlo, we can't remember what he said to him. So shnehen yetzula beit the They both are pasul. Right, they both have to be burnt, but between milasot pesach they fulfilled the mitzvah. In other words, since in the eyes of God, so to speak. The master said something. He said either sheep or goats, right? So when do you get credit for your Korban Pesach? When the, when the blood is thrown, when the offering is done. So even though, but the, neither of them can eat from either Korban Pesach because one of them is supposed to eat from the sheep and one is supposed to eat from the goat and we don't know which is which so they can't eat from it so they have to burn it but they each get credit because both korbanot were brought and at the moment that he said whichever one my master said is the one that goes to him and whichever one my master didn't say goes to me so he got credit for the korban pesach they don't have to bring korban pesach uh, pesach sheni but they uh, uh, but they, but they can't eat from either one of those pesachim because of the uh, because of the complication that um, we don't know which is which now the Gemara says Pshita, it seems obvious that shachat gedi yochat 
But, you know, it said that if he sent him to give any Korban Pesach and he brought a, he brought a goat, he can eat it. So, so what's the Chidush in that? Of course, you have a choice. You could choose a, either a goat or a sheep. So what's the, what's the novelty there? Meaning, even though normally the master would have preferred a, a, a sheep, he didn't say that to the Evid. So when the Evid picks a goat, it's okay. Similarly, meaning even though normally that master would typically choose the goat, he liked the goat better than sheep or whatever, but the but the Evid, whichever because he had discretion to choose, so whichever one he chose was fine, right? Well, how could it say that if the if the Evid went and did two, he didn't say it nigh, whichever one my master says is the one. He gave two psachim. Right, so how could it be? So it says, We know that you're not allowed. It says, Our Mishnah says, Eat the first one. But really, it shouldn't be that you're allowed to eat the first one. They should both be pasuled because he offered two psachim for the same person. You can't do that. So therefore, and it says, Our Mishnah is talking about a king and a queen. It doesn't have to literally be a king and a queen. It means a very rich person. Okay, who doesn't care. He's not Maki, doesn't care, but right? Vehatanya, so, so it's, but we learned, and this, this Vehatanya is really benichuta, we say, meaning it's a proof. It's not a contradiction. You can't have two psachim brought for you at once. But but it once happened that there was a king and a queen. They told their, their servants to go bring the Pesach. And they did too, because they didn't know which one the king and queen would like better. Would they like a goat better? Would they like a sheep better? So they said, you know what, let's make them two psachim. We're, such, we're so good. We'll do that. But the problem is, you can't do that. So, they asked the king, he said, go ask my wife. They asked the, the, the queen, she said, go ask Rabban Gamliel. They asked Rabban Gamliel, it's interesting how he uses the word datan kalalehen because he uses it a few places in Shas in different ways. But the uh, it says because they are lightheaded, meaning they don't care. They, they're not, but they don't care. They're so wealthy. So yochlum and whichever one is first, that was the one that they really intended because they don't have any hakpada. They don't have any. Um, they're not particular in any way because they have all kinds of delicacies all the time. So what? One day it's sheep. One day it's a goat. They don't care. So therefore, whichever was the first one, that was the one they wanted. But Anan, if it were us, if we did such a thing that we had our, our Eved brought for us a, a Korban Pesach, two Psachim, one was a goat, one was a sheep, it would be, they would both be pasuled because two were brought for the same person and only one of them could have been valid. But here we just assume whichever the first one was was the one they would have been fine with because we wouldn't have... And Rashi explains. He says, Since we, it's not known which one he really wanted. In other words, a person has preferences and since two of them were done at the same time, we can't rule out which one, which one he would have wanted, which one he didn't want. But with the king and queen, we know whichever the first one is, they would have taken it. So therefore, the first one is good. Right. One time they found like a, uh, basically a sheretz tamay in the, yeah, it's a lizard that's tamay in the, uh, in the kitchen of the king. They wanted to say that the entire suda was no good. It was all tamay. They asked the king. Again, he sends them to the queen. She, she, Outsources it to Rabban Gamliel, and Baal Veshalu They asked him, "Amalehem betamit b'chaim rotech otonet." What was the uh, what was the situation? Um, did you find this thing in hot food, or you found it in cold food? 
right? Amulo otech, it was nice and hot. Pour of cold water on him. Maybe he's just having a rest in the, you know, he was, he, he was in the, uh, in the, what do you call it? The jacuzzi in there, you know, and he's just taking a nap. So I'll pour some cold water. We'll see what happens. It woke up, started moving. He poured the cold water on him. He said, see, there was no dead sheriffs in there. I told you. He was just taking a nap. You see that the king depended on the queen. The queen depended on Rabban Gamliel. Rabban Gamliel, the whole meal revolved around his decisions. He had the cho- choice of whether to say Tahor or Tameh. If the master forgot, or rather the, uh, the Eved forgot, uh, so then he should make a Tanai. And the Tanai is, if my master said he wanted the sheep, then the sheep is his and the goat is mine. And if my master said he wanted the goat, the goat is his and the sheep is mine, whichever one, right? So it says, Sheli, how could the Eved have his own Korban Pesach? Whatever the Eved acquires, if he acquires a lost object, he buys something, he's, it's what we, we say, he doesn't have a Yad. He doesn't have independent right to acquire anything. Whatever he acquires becomes a possession of the master. So how can he say this Korban is going to be mine? He goes, what it means is that he can, you see, it's, that's true if the Evid acquires something or he finds something and he makes an acquisition. But if somebody gives him something, they're allowed to give it to him on a condition that it doesn't become the possession of his master. So he goes to the, when, when his master sent him to go get Korban Pesach, he went to the, he went to the, uh, to the shepherd that his master usually frequents and he said, give me, these two things. In other words, he, he, he asked him, and he will give him, uh, he can give him the korban on the condition that his master doesn't have control over it. Right? So as she says, um, Right? So in other words, he, the point is that in this case, the only way to resolve the problem since he doesn't have any, uh, any other way to resolve the problem since he doesn't remember what his master actually said, so therefore he has to ask the Ro'ed to make this trick for him, that he has the right, to, that he's reserving the right to, uh, you know, to, for, for that Korban to be his. Whichever one of these two, my master didn't say, it's mine and not his. That's the Tanai. And then when he brings it, he has the same Tanai in mind. Whichever one of these two, my master didn't say. So it's like if you give a gift to a child, legally, the parent, right, it becomes, a, you know, the, you're not allowed to, that, that uh, halakhically also, give a gift to a child, the child can't give the gift back, according to halakha. If you give a gift to child, put it in like one of those trust funds that's, uh, you know, that's protected by the government, then you can't, uh, you can't take the money out, right? It becomes theirs. Protected. So, um, so now he said like this, The master forgot what he said. That's only true if he forgot after the blood of the Koban was thrown. Because we said that if the, what happened there was that the master himself couldn't remember which, what he said. So it said that one of, but definitely since the, since the Evid said whichever one my master meant goes to him and whichever one my master didn't mean goes to me. So they both fulfilled the mitzvah of the korban. They just don't know which one is which. Right, so he's saying that's true if the the master remembered at the time that the service was going on what he intended, and he only forgot afterwards, because that means at the moment the service was done, the korban could have been eaten by him because he knew which one it was. 
He just forgot afterwards. But if he forgot, but if he forgot even before the Avodah, the Korban was done, such that at the time that the Korban was actually done, he already had forgotten which one was his, and there was no way it ever could have eaten, then nobody got credit for the Korban, because there was never a moment where that Korban could have been eaten, because even from the beginning, the master had already forgotten which one was his? So there was never a moment where that korban actually could have been eaten. So nobody got credit for it. There's also a brighter that some apply this teaching to Avabaye. They mixed all of the skins of korbanot Pesach up with one another. And one of them was found to have a moom on it. They said, oh, one of these korbanot had a moom. We didn't realize. It had a moom on it the whole time. So one of our five, one of the five of us has a, has a moom. So Kulan, Yotin, the Beit Sofa, they have to burn all of the Korbanot now because they don't know which one went with which skin. They don't know which one came with which skin. And so they're going to have, but they don't have to do Pesach Sheni. Okay? We'll see more about that in the next piece. It's going to talk about why. But Amar Abayabai says, This is only true if the skins got mixed up after the throwing of the blood, the beat, not the Izrik Dam, because at the time that the blood was thrown, Right? The, the korbanot all could have been eaten. Four out of those five korbanot could have been eaten. We just don't know because, we, we, because the, at that point we still knew which skin went with which. But if even before the blood was thrown the skins were already mixed up. Meaning to say that we were going to find out that we weren't able to eat any of the meat because one of them was really a balmum and was invalid. And we don't know which one. Okay, there was never a moment of truth where they could have done it. So then, Chayefin Lasot, Pesach Sheni. Right then, they're going to have to do Pesach Sheni. Because nobody got credit, because there was never a time that any of those korbanot could have been done, because they were all mixed up from the beginning with a balmum. There was never a time that any of them could have been isolated as the one that didn't have the mum. So the one that says Abayet said his concept regarding our Mishnah definitely would apply it to the Brayta. In other words, if a situation has emerged, of doubt that would prevent you from eating the Korban Pesach and that situation emerged even before the blood was thrown, then there was never a moment that that Korban was good because the doubt preceded the Korban. So that's the... so. But, man de matnea b'aita, those who apply that principle to the case of the mixed up skin, aval amatnitin lo, but they wouldn't say that about our Mishnah, the case where the Eved uh, or where the Master forgot which kind of animal he specified. Why? Because since the korbanot were kasher, the, the goat and the, and the sheep that the Evid brought were kasher, because if he had remembered, it would have been fine. So in the eyes of Hashem, it was good. In other words, the point is that there's a difference, there is a difference between our Mishnah and the case of the skins that got mixed up. Because in the case of the skins that got mixed up, one of them is actually pasul. One of them actually has a mum. As it's, it actually has a mum and it's pasul, and we don't know which one is which, so we have to cast a negative, you know, uh, cast a pall on everything and ruins everything. But in the case of the Korban Pesach, where one is, one is a sheep and one is a goat, and we don't know which one the master intended and he can't remember, true that he can't remember, but the reality is both of the Korbanot were kasher, and Hashem knows which one it was he intended, so maybe Hashem will accept that Korban, even though there was never a practical way for the owner to eat it because he couldn't remember which one he specified and only one of them was his. But in the eyes of Hashem, a korban was brought by the owner and a korban was brought by the Eved and it's just that they can't sort out which one is which to be able to eat them, but they should get credit for it. That's different than when one of the korbanot was a balmum and therefore there was a, an intrinsic reason why none of the korbanot could be eaten because one of them was pasulam. We don't know which one is which. So that's the conclusion and we'll continue from here tomorrow. Uh, we're assuming that the moon happened before.